0: It's Bill Gaither's newest song. (laughs) Take your Bibles go to the book of Luke, the 15th chapter. We're going to talk about the power of love today. We decided to take the secular and make it sacred. How about that? We began last week talking to you on the subject of coming home. And... And Luke, the 15th chapter is where we're going to be, so as you're turning there, let me greet all of our campuses. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries. And I know today you've already had a time of worship, and great things are taking place there, I'm sure. Now we're going together into the Word of God to receive what God wants to speak to us corporately, although we're in many locations, we're still one church, believing God for great things. So join us today. The book of Luke, the 15th chapter, uh, would you look in the 17th verse, and it says this, and, and let me just kind of set it up for some of you who weren't here last week. The story here is about a son who comes to his father and says to his father, uh, give me what's mine. In other words, give me my inheritance. And, and he didn't really deserve it at that point of his life, but the father went ahead and gave him a third of everything that he had. And, and the Word of God says that this young boy, this young man, took that, and he went into a far country, and he wasted all of that money with wild living. Uh, he just partied. I mean, he, he went through it, and, and all of a sudden, the Scripture says that after he had run out of his money, and this is what we talked about last week, after he'd run out of his money, he found himself, and you've got to understand the irony here, he finds himself as a good Jewish boy feeding pigs. Uh, you, you you couldn't eat a pig, but now he's feeding the pigs. In fact, the Bible says that he became so hungry that he desired to eat what the pigs were eating. We talked last week about how uh, that so often in our lives, we don't realize how good we have it. We're we're at the Father's house. He's taking care of us. He's blessing us. He's doing all those things to us. And then all of a sudden, we decide we're going to go do our own thing in our own way. And all of a sudden, sometimes, and let me say this as kindly as I can, sometimes you find yourself out with the hogs. And when you do, it's in that moment that things begin to change. So would you look in the 17th verses where we're going to pick up. It says, And when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, and I have sinned against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son, Make me like one of your hired men. The King James Version says, make me like one of your servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But I love this next part. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Now today we're going to be talking on this whole subject of the power of love. And, and here's, here's what I want to say to you. The love of God is so much greater than we understand. Our limited perspective is a limited love. Now, I, I'm going to probably mess with some of you for a moment. But our love has its limits. Uh, I love you as long as you treat me right. Okay, I will love you that much further. But you keep messing with me and my love's going to run out, and I'm going to look for a two-by-four to hit you upside the head. Now, that's, you know, that's just natural. That's just humanity. All of us, but God's love. In fact, the Bible says this about God. It says if you want to know what, who God is and what God is, God is what? Love. God is love, but before I can experience the power of love that we're talking about today to restore me, then I first of all is it's got to do what this seventeenth verse is. I've got to come to myself. Uh, the Word of God says He came to His senses. In other words, He was crazy, and and all of a sudden He went, "Wait a minute." I I am in a place that my father's servants, my father's slaves have it better than I do. Now, here's what's got to happen, and I'm going to I'm going to do this quickly today cuz we touched on it last week. Is is first of all is I've got to come to myself and and I have to be willing to change. It's the word repentance. Uh, The word repentance is an interesting Bible word, and we read it uh, different places in Scripture where it talks about repentance and and on and on. Here's what repentance means. In in the army in that day and age, instead of them saying about face, they would say repent. So repentance means turning and going the other direction. So when we look at this, the Bible says that this young man looked at his life. Now I want to tell you something about repentance. Repentance is more than being sorry for your sins listen any any time we get caught we're sorry I mean we're sorry (laughs) right I I mean have have you ever caught your child doing something or when your kids were smaller and they I'm sorry they weren't sorry because until you walked in the room and saw them they were doing it I mean they were still bouncing that ball in the living room like you told them not to do until you walked in and said what are you doing I'm sorry they weren't sorry they were sorry they got caught. They were sorry you showed up because if you hadn't walked in the house, they'd have bounced that ball for the next hour. See, that, that's what happens. So, so when we look at repentance in, in the, the biblical term, it's an a bow face. It's a, it's a turning going the other direction, but it's also a confession of sin. Now, let, let me say something to you about confessing sin. When I talk about confession sin and what the Word of God talks about, confess, confessing sin, it doesn't mean that you've got to tell God every bad thing you've ever done. If that were true, I would still be in an altar somewhere. I would still be saying, i got to... And, and every time I would get to the end of my list, the devil would remind me of a hundred more. Right? So what confession of sin means is just, the Bible says confession means to say the same thing as God says. And so what has God said about sin? God says that sin separates, that sin uh, brings destruction into our life. And so what I've got to do is come to that place of saying just as this young boy did, or young man did, he had to be willing to confess his sin. The, The second aspect of true repentance is genuine sorrow. The Bible says it this way. It says, Godly sorrow worketh repentance. In in other words, it's not sorry that I woke up with a hangover. Amen. I mean, there's a lot of people who partied hard last night, who've been hugging the commode half the night. Y'all look so holy. I'm glad you don't know what I'm talking about. And this morning, they are so sorry they got drunk last night, but next Saturday night, they're going to be back at the club or back at the bar or back wherever it is doing the same thing all over again. Listen, genuine sorrow is where we make a change. We're saying, listen, I'm not going to live like this anymore. I'm going to change. Repentance also involves humility of sin. Because of the sin we've committed. Listen, I want to tell you, we live in a nation that is proud of its sins. In fact, we make fun of people who are trying to be godly. I mean, how often have you seen on television, they'll make fun of somebody who says, I'm going to be a virgin till the day I get married. They go, oh, that, that's so old-fashioned, that's so archaic, I can't believe. You know, I mean, how, how often do they tell you, well, it's a mother's right to abort that baby? The same people that will tell you that will tell you, you, you don't need to treat animals unethically. Wait a minute, I, I, f- Fluffy the, the rabbit over here. I got to treat. Good. Come on, am I am I the only one that sees this stuff? But a baby in its mother's womb. Let's just go ahead and rip that out. And and no no no. Wait a minute. We've got to come to the number one as a nation. The Bible says sin uh, is a reproach to a, to a nation, but righteousness exalts a nation. All right. We've got to come to the place again in America where we are ashamed of sin sin is not something to brag about it's not fun Uh, it it shouldn't be something that we go around saying look how many people I slept with look how drunk I got look look No, no no wait a minute genuine repentance means I am sorry for my sin and I come in humility the Bible says that this young man when he got ready to come home to his father said I am not worthy to be called his son any longer Now, you know what? When you read this story, there are some interesting things about this story that I see. The the interesting thing is this, is that, first of all, when you read the story there, you see that the father just stays at home. And, And here's the reason why. The father had done everything he needed to do. Now, I want to tell you, your father has done everything he needs to do. He sent his only begotten son into the world, not to condemn the world, but that the world through him would be saved. So your father has already done everything that he needed to do. You know what? The father just watches for the return of the son. He doesn't go after him. Think about it. He doesn't enable him. Let let me help some of you. Sometimes you need to cut off the check. Sometimes you don't need to bail him out of jail. Oh, help me. Sometimes they need to spend the night in jail because of that DUI. Because until they get in the pig pen, boy, y'all aren't shouting, are you? Until they understand where they are, if you keep bailing them out, they are never, ever going to have to suffer the consequences for their action. The Father isn't sending Western Union every week to prop him up. He just says, I'm at home, I haven't left, I haven't moved, the address is the same, and we're good. When he gets ready to come home, I'm still here. See, let me tell you something about love. We're talking about the power of love today. Some of you say, don't sound like it. Oh, yes, it is. Sometimes love just waits. Sometimes love doesn't pursue. Sometimes love is just waiting for you to come home. But here's what's fun about this story. The Bible says there that when the father saw him, and here's what I believe. I believe every day the father was looking for him to come home. I I, I believe that it was a daily occurrence that dad would go out on the porch or go out on a little hill and he'd look and and just say, "I, I wonder if he's coming home today. I wonder if today is going to be the day that my son comes. I I think it was a daily. I don't think it was something that that just so happened that day that he saw him. I think he's looking. And the Bible says that when he saw him, he ran. Now, you have to understand culturally different uh, than we are today. In that culture, an elder did not run because it was disgraceful. And so here he is, he's a wealthy landowner, everybody knows him, but when he sees his son coming, he says, I don't care what anybody thinks about me, I am going to go to my son, and the Bible says that when he gets there, he wraps him in his arms and he kisses him. And when you study the Greek and the Hebrew and begin to look at that, what you find, that word that says kiss him means that he kissed him and just kept on kissing him and kept on kissing him and just saying, this is my boy. The Bible says he kissed him much. You know what much kissing indicates? It indicates, indicates much love. It, it indicates how much love that that father had. But it doesn't just indicate love. It indicates total forgiveness. The, the father is saying, you are for, I, I know you've done your stuff, but you are forgiven. Not only does it indicate total forgiveness, it indicates full restoration. The father is saying, I am restoring you. I am bringing you back. And, the, and it also indicates great joy. The Father says, this is the day that I have been waiting for. The Bible says it this way. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. We quote that on every day, and that's a great thing to quote. But really, when you begin to study that, this is the day that the Lord has made is in reference to when Jesus Christ died on the cross and gave himself as a ransom for us, and this is the day. In other words, I look back to what Jesus did on the cross. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I will rejoice in what God has done for me. Now, let me show you a, couple of, a little paradox here between the son and the father. The only thing that the son had to give was confession. He didn't have money. His reputation was shot. He, he didn't have clothes. He, I mean, he is, he is, the only thing that he had was confession. And listen to what he says in verse 21. Here's what he said. He said, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. You know what? All, all God is looking for, hear me, all God is looking for is a confession. I have sinned and I'm not worthy. Now watch what the Father says, verse 22. But the Father said to his servants, Quick. He didn't say, uh, we'll do this tomorrow. Come on, you, you know. Think about it for a minute. Go, get in the story with me here. Think about if your son or your daughter has messed you over and spent a third of the inheritance and destroyed all. You, you're going to bring them home, but we're going to talk about this a while. You sit down right there. Right? Come on. I love you, but but in this story, the father says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him, put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Now, the son didn't have anything but a confession. The father, if you begin to look at this, the father, when, when you see that, that whole process there, the father had so much more. I, I just want to show you. The father had everything he needed, as in the son, and he was willing to give it to him. Whatever it was that son needed, the father already had. See, there, there's nothing you need that God doesn't already have. That's great news, But even greater than that is he wants to give it to you. And so it's it's interesting here when you begin to read this. Here's what he said to him, and we're going to kind of delve into the story now. The Bible says that he said, here's what I want you to do. Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and put shoes on his feet. Now we read that and say, oh, that's nice. He gave him a new coat, gave him a ring and gave him some shoes. Isn't that wonderful? He went, you know, bought some Tom shoes so he could (laughs) give some to another country. I mean, isn't isn't that nice? And it's wonderful. And and it is, but that's not what the story's about. I've preached this story how many times in 30 plus years of ministry. I saw something this time that I'd never seen before. Um, They recently Gave me the files for, for my sermons that I've preached since 2005. I've had them. I don't understand. They're in the cloud. Brad tells me they're in the cloud. I don't know what that means. I walk outside and look up and I don't see them. <laughs> but Brad says they're there. And I get my iPad and somehow out of the cloud, yea, I say unto thee, there they are. It's beyond me. But when they, when they sent them to the clouds, I, they said, Pastor, do you realize that since 2005, you have preached over 600 sermons? I said, goodness gracious, I've preached the truth, yea, even more than the truth. <laughs> all right? But it's interesting how, again, I've, since 2005, I've preached over 600 times, and yet, you see something new in Scripture all the time. In this scripture, and I want to show it to you because it it set me free. I don't know about any of the rest of you, all right? Here's what he said. He said, bring the best robe, all right? Now, let me me show you what robe is a symbol of. Robe is a symbol of covering and blessing. That's what what a robe means. It's it's a symbol of being covered, all right? In, In other words, it's the righteousness of God being put upon us. But here's what he said. He said, bring the best robe. I'd never seen it. Bring the best. What does that mean? Well, just go to the closet and find the one that was made. No, no, no. Who would have the best robe in the family? Oh, you're ahead of me. The father's robe is the best robe. So what the father says is bring the robe that represents me And wrap it around that boy so that when somebody sees him, they don't see him, they see me. The Word of God calls it righteousness. It says that we are hid with Christ in God that we are heirs and joint heirs with Jesus Christ, that we have been given robes of righteousness. So we, we see each other and we say, I saw you do that and I saw you do that other thing and I saw you do the other one. But God looks at us and because we have been clothed in the righteousness of God, all that God sees is He sees us as righteous. And so it doesn't matter. The Bible says it this way. It says that God takes our sins and he places them as far as the east is from the west. Never. Now you can remember them and some of your good friends will remind you of them. You remember when you did that? You remember when you did that? They were, but God has said, I have chosen not to remember them against you. Why? Because I have placed my righteousness on you, and so when somebody looks at you, they are not seeing you. The Bible says that God takes the old things and he makes all things new. The best robe is put on you. When you get saved, The robes of righteousness are placed on you. Now, here's what's fun about this story is that, understand, this kid is emaciated. He hadn't eaten in days. He's he's got all kind of, uh, you know, uh, sanitary problems. He doesn't smell good. Why y'all look at me like that? You ever smelled a pig? He's been hanging out with pigs. All right? But the father just wraps him up. To cover up what, what in, in other words, the Father says your shame is not going to be shown to anybody else. There's been enough people who have looked at you because of what you've done and how you've lived, and they have made so much discussion about your past, but I am taking you even in your filthiness. The Bible doesn't say he had a bath. Wow. Wow. The, the Bible doesn't say God took him and, and, and set him up and said, okay, uh, let's hose him down. That's what the church does. When you get right, then, then we'll talk to you. No, God just says, look, you are my child. You have been in a mess, but you have now turned toward me, so I'm going to take my robe, and I'm going to wrap up your shame and your nakedness, and I am going to bring you into relationship with me, and I am going to take care of you. Now, now here's, here's what's great about this. In his condition, the robe didn't fit. Think about it. He's, all, he's lost a bunch of weight. He, he he's not probably as big as his father. This robe is put on him, and he, somebody looks at him and says, I don't fit you. Now think about this. I, I, I want to teach. I don't want to preach, but i got preach on me. <laughs> all right? I want you to get this this morning. The, the Word of God is clear here that the robe is placed on him not because he deserves it. So it doesn't fit. I mean, can you remember after you got saved, you still had some stuff? Come on, you, you, you came to the altar and you got saved, but you still living together? Why well, come on. I mean, you, you still were going out on the weekends and doing stuff? You, you still had a little something-something hit out somewhere? You know you did. You act all holy because you're at church, but you know you did. Were you saved? Yeah. Why? Because God had put His robes of righteousness around you. You still had some junk. You still working on some stuff. But God had covered you with righteousness. It, it's, it's what the Word of God talks about, putting off the old man, the old person. The, the robe covers the old. You know, the, the Word of God talks about some of you were drunkards, some of you were liars, some of you were cheaters, some of you were homosexual, some of you were adulterers, some of you were, I, I mean, it, it lists this whole, just a, whatever your sin is, it lists it. So in other words, you can't feel good about looking down your nose at somebody else right I love how Christians pick and choose and I don't have time to preach that sermon (laughs) I can't believe they're doing that but I'm doing this you know there is no hierarchy of sin with God sin sin all right but the Bible says but such were some of you now you've been washed now you've been redeemed why because I've been clothed in the righteousness of God I've put off the old person In, in other words his position was restored Do do you realize that God looks at you and says, your original position is what Adam and Eve had in the garden? Where they were the master of their destiny. And he said, if you'll come back into relationship with me, I will restore you where you are the master of your destiny again. Not only was his position restored, but provision was given to him. He's got he's got now, now that he's back home at the father's house, whatever the father has is also available to him. That's why he's got the coat. Somebody sees him coming and, and they they don't have, you know, like us, we've got how many shirts and, and pants and you know dresses and whatever in your closet and you go pick. But back in that day they might have two or three and, and they were they were recognizable very easily. And you go, Oh, that's so and so. How do you know? Well, that's his coat. So when this boy puts on his daddy's coat, People don't see him, they see his dad. When you come in a relationship with God, Satan doesn't see you, he sees your dad. I, I got to give you the next two, there's two more. The second one is a ring. Now, we say, oh, wasn't that nice he gave him a ring? No, no, no. Let me me explain the ring in a minute. The ring is a symbol of authority and ownership. Here's what the ring was. The ring was a family crest. And in that day, everything was done by family crest. In other words, when you went to sign a legal document, you didn't sign it, you took the crest of the family and you embedded that or you placed a piece of wax there that was still soft and you embedded the crest and that signified that you had entered in this legal document or you were able to purchase this or whatever. The father says, now again, if if I was his father, I would let him come back and I might even give him some fresh clothes and a bath but I'm not going to give him the bank account. Am I the only one? I'd look at him and say, "Uh, we've enrolled you in Dave Ramsey's (coughs) 12-week course. In fact, he's on the radio every day. Would you just tune in and listen to him? When (laughs) When you get your budget set, then we'll talk. Not what the Father says. The Father says, put the ring on him. In other words, it's indicating that he immediately is backed by the Father. He's given authority. It, it's, you know, it's the same thing as a wedding ring. I mean, back, back in the day when you were single, uh, you know, and, and you saw somebody good-looking or, or you know, whatever caught your fancy, one of the first things you did was look at, the, look at the hand. And if they had a wedding ring on, hopefully you moved on. Uh, but if they didn't, you said, say, man, they're fair game. I'm going after them, all right? Uh, you know, once you got married, you quit doing that, we hope. Anyway, uh, the, it, it's, that, it's that same thing. It's the outward symbol that he's given that signifies that he now has a right to everything that his father has. He can go to the bank. He can get money if he needs to. He can go out and tell the, the guys that are working on his father's property. He can tell them what. I mean, he has now been given the right do do you know what the Bible says about us it says again I'm gonna quote it that you have been made an heir and a joint heir with Jesus Christ you know what else it says it says now we sit together in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus it doesn't say one day in the sweet by and by it says when you come into relationship with God that now Somebody ought to get set free. Now we sit together in the heavenlies in Christ Jesus. So the ring symbolized the authority that he had. One more. Shoes. Again, we think shoes and we we don't think much. Shoes were a symbol of power, and I'll, I'll show you how. Shoes were a symbol of power. In that day and age, slaves didn't wear shoes. Only sons wore shoes. He comes home as a slave, but dad says, one of the first things I want everybody to know is, you're no longer a slave, you're a son. Put some shoes on his feet. Shoes were were a symbol of power. Shoes protected him from parasites, they protected him from danger, they protected him from all that. The the scripture says this, the, the word of God says that our feet are shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. All right? Um, the, the, the Word of God talks about this is when you've done all to stand, stand, and it lists all the, uh, the, the helmet of salvation, sword of the Spirit, shield of faith, it goes on like but it, But it also talks about your feet being shod with the preparation gospel peace. And I looked that up. When a warrior went to battle, <coughs> they had on boots. I thought I'd wear boots this morning. They had on boots. And those boots had nails driven through them so that when they got ready to get into a sword fight, they could plant their feet, and, and the enemy couldn't run over them. God says to us, I have given you power where you can stand. And the scripture says, and when you've done all to stand, just stand. You have the ability to stand strong for God. Don't let anybody tell you any different. You have the ability to stand strong for the Lord. The book of Luke says it this way. He says, I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and overcome all the power of the enemy, and nothing will harm you. The book of Romans goes on to say, the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. And then he just goes and says, the grace of our Lord Jesus be with you. Now, let me say this to you. You say, well, Pastor, what has that got to do with me today? You remember on the day of Pentecost in Scripture where it talks about The people came from all over Jerusalem, and the Apostle Peter stood up and he preached this great sermon, and when he got through preaching, the Bible says they were convicted and they said to him, what shall we do to be saved? That's what they're asking. How do we get saved? And the Apostle Peter said in the book of Acts, the second chapter, in the 38th verse, he says, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You say, pastor... How do you go from the lost son to Acts 2? Very easily. In this scripture, in Acts 2, when Peter says to them, here's how you come into relationship with God, it is a mirror of the story that I just told you. Here's what he says, first of all. He says, repent. In other words, put on the robe of righteousness. Come to God today and tell him, Lord, I have lived my own life long enough, and today I come to you, and I want you to clothe me with your righteousness. But he doesn't stop there. He said, secondly, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sin. What is that? When I get baptized, it is an outward sign. Just like the ring on my finger this morning says I'm married, baptism is an outward sign of what happened when the robe of righteousness was put on me. Not only that, though, when I'm baptized in the name of the Lord, I now have authority to use His name. So I repent, I come into a relationship, I get the robes of righteousness, but I'm not stopping there. The Bible says, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So I come and I say, God, I want everything you've got so we don't stop there. And He says, And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? Jesus said, Wait in Jerusalem until you are endued with power. Shoes, power, Holy Spirit, power. Think about that. The whole story... Of the prodigal son that we call it is wrapped up in Acts chapter 2 when Peter stands up and inaugurates the church age and he says you can have a robe you can have a ring and you can have shoes all you've got to do is tell the father you're ready to come back home I want to say this to you today I don't know where you are and I don't know what's going on in your life and you know what it really is none of my business all I'm here to do today is to tell you there is a God who is standing on the edge of your life and if you will just turn around he will open his arms wide and he will take you in and he will love you and he will clothe you in his righteousness and he will give you his authority and he will place his power in your life that's the kind of God that we serve